saving money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. My friends, I am Vivian McPeak, and this is Hemp Present. If you have feedback or would like to suggest a guest or topic for Hemp Present, email me at hemppresent at gmail.com. I greatly enjoy hearing from you, the listener. Trees are oxygen. Trees are habitat. Trees are biosphere. And for the history of the human race, trees are wood. But that simple equation is getting more complex and just in time. Gregory Wilson is the founder of Fibonacci LLC, the only manufacturer of Hempwood internationally. With nearly 20 years in the building industry, Wilson continues to introduce a sustainable hardwood alternative. I've invited him to join me today to tell us more about it. Welcome, Greg, to Cannabis Radio. Hey, well, thanks for having me, Rick. My pleasure. You know, this is just such an important topic, and I only regret that we're limited to about 26 minutes to cover the bases. Before we dive into all the many important facets of your business and its products. Can you just give us a little bit of your own personal history. What led to you becoming interested in and producing hemp wood? Well, I grew up kind of out in the woods, always in the creek catching crawfish and uh, just being around nature. So it's literally second nature to me to just want to be outside amongst the trees and the forest and that. So as I grew up and had to decide what I wanted to be, it only made sense to try to do something that would help that element of the earth. Um, so I studied building materials and Chinese and ended up going to China and working in the bamboo flooring industry. So I guess that's been 20 couple of years ago. Um, I was one of the guys who came up with strand woven bamboo. And... <laughs> Here I am still using the same algorithm that I helped write back then uh, that transforms a plant fiber into a wood composite. Uh, now I'm just doing it in the United States with hemp and using soy proteins as the glue instead of formaldehyde. Fascinating. Um, I have to say, you know, looking into your business, I mean, you have really, you have just really kind of put a lot of emphasis on, on I think, sustainability and in your entire approach. Uh, I noticed that all of your hemp material is sourced within 100 miles of your Murray, Kentucky facility. Why is it important for you to source your material locally uh, to make sure that it's, it's your source material is locally produced and accessed? Well, so the whole idea behind what we're doing is locally grown, locally made, and locally sold. So for something to be grown closer to us, it has a lower carbon footprint for transporting it here. It also allows us to pay our employees more because you're not paying just for transportation. Mm -hmm. And so we're proud to say that every single person who works at Hempwood is financially able to purchase their own home, to have a roof over their head, as well as to own their own vehicle to get them to and from work or whatever else they enjoy. So instead of paying for transportation, I'd rather pay our people. Mm -hmm. And you're also, of course, supporting your local economy. 
Oh, absolutely. hundred percent. I would rather spend 20% more and keep it here in Callaway County where Murray, Kentucky is than to send something overseas or even to the other side of the country. So it, it all kind of, if you keep it in the community and it stays in the community and my wife and I, we live on a, um, a hemp wood farm or a hemp farm. It's actually organic. We got chickens and cows and pigs and fruits and vegetables. We grow hemp and all that stuff. Um, we're four miles east of our factory, which is on another farm where we grow hemp. Then we got our second mill in the industrial complex on the, the east side of town here, right on the Clark River. Uh, and that's only about four miles from, from factory number one. So my whole life kind of stays west of the Kentucky Lake. And in between Murray as the town and Kentucky Lake, it's about 12 miles in between the two of them. And of course, Kentucky has a rich history of hemp, right? Going back, you know, over a century, I imagine. Uh, this region is the best place in the United States, potentially the world, for grown hemp. So the soil and the climate are superior to just about everywhere for growing your traditional fiber hemp. Uh, once you get up closer to where you guys are, it actually is better for having um, grain hemp because the daylight hours. So around the Canadian border, plus or minus about five degrees in your latitude is where the grain hemp is best. But right around us and Missouri, kind of the old tobacco country, Missouri, the Carolinas, Kentucky, Virginia, up into Maryland, a little bit of Pennsylvania. Um, that's your traditional fiber hemp area and so we figure that if this is where it grew before it was restricted it makes sense this is where it'll grow after the restrictions are lifted can you talk about the process by which hemp wood is made i can man this is this is all i do with my life i got 84 <laughs> hours a week that i spend in here in the shop or in the office so we is that got all two only 84 hours a week <laughs> oh, well it's exactly half the number of hours in a week so I tried it, I did for the first couple of years, over a hundred hours a week. And you actually kind of deteriorate what you're producing per hour. So 84 is kind of the sweet spot that I found. Um, and I do sleep here and stuff like that. And I'm always driving around for work. So I mean, I guess you could throw it up there to be in higher, but mentally just piling into it, 84 is my number. Um, but yeah. Two mills, 24 people. We manufacture hemp wood six days a week. We have uh, people from Murray State University. I hire a lot from the ag school there. So we got Tommy Copeland. He was my first intern about five years ago. Now he's our plant manager for factory number one where we make the hemp wood. And then my second intern, uh, Matt McCormick, he's the plant manager at factory number two. He's been here about four or five years too. And um, he runs that shop, each one of them. They have uh, nine or 10 guys underneath them. And then we have Alyssa from Murray State University. She was a communications major. I asked the, uh, the dean of the ag school there, I said, give me your best communications major you got in the ag school. And it's worked out great. Uh, my wife, Bing, from when I was living in China for most of my adult life, I was over there for uh, 14 years. We met when I was doing bamboo flooring. She's our office manager here. 
So she's actually takes care of all the money and that stuff. But the way we make hemp wood is we have hemp bales. The whole stalk, we do not decorticate. It comes in here from within a hundred miles of our facility. We usually have, we contract about two to 300 acres a year. We buy about twice that much from the open market in this area. Uh, comes in and we have a machine that is, uh, we call it the toilet paper unroller. And it looks just like it sounds. You take the hemp bale, the round bales, and you stab a spike through the center of them. And it looks just like a roll of toilet paper sitting at your house. Uh, a giant arm comes down and that causes it to spin and unroll the hemp bale. And it goes through a crusher. This crusher we, uh, we built out of a old uh, plywood roller and we crush open the inner core, the woody core of the hemp stalk. We then have a conveyor that pulls it out and takes it to a weigh station. This weigh station, um, we weigh out how much is there and we roll it up like a fruit roll up into this wrap and we soak it for five to eight minutes in a soy-based glue. So we developed at a, well not we, Murray State University and Oregon State University developed how to steal the proteins from soy flour and use those as an adhesive instead of petroleum. So we soak it in there, we take it out and drip dry it and put it on these racks and put these racks into these dryers. These dryers are old tobacco barns and old rail cars and they're actually all powered by our waste material. So we have 100% of our thermal energy comes from our bio waste in our bio burner. We have our electricity that 100% comes from hydroelectric. We built a mill here because we're right back in Kentucky Dam. It's a Tennessee River is actually dammed up, making Kentucky Dam and provides electricity for this area. Um, after these things get dried out using our 100% renewable energy, then we take them out, we weigh them, we press them in this, uh, oh, this thing's got 3,000 tons of pressure. It's about three stories tall. We actually have the largest hydraulic fluid delivery in Callaway County history to fill this thing up. Um, but we press these blocks and we, um, we unload them with some cranes onto something that looks like a rail car. And it takes it into an oven that was an old 20 foot shipping container. And this oven's powered off of our waste energy. So a little ground up hemp and the offcuts from the, um, oh. the process get ground up and burned in our bio burner. The heat nice. of fluid, the fluid goes to all these radiators throughout the ovens, dryers, kilns in the building. Circle back, get heated up again. It spits out biochar which we use as a potash replacement for our fertilizer. There's yeah, you know, I, I have to say, uh, I have a small uh, hemp bio burner. It's, it's a glass pipe that I've used for, for years. Um, I, <laughs> we we got to go to a break. Um, so hold that thought for a minute and we will be right back with some more from Greg Wilson. Time to roll out for the people that let us hemp present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. 
Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at BeatTheStigma.org. We're back with Greg Wilson. Uh, Greg, you were kind of you know describing your your hemp uh, production, uh, hemp wood production process. Did you want to? Do you have more to add to that? Oh, of course, man. This is like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory over here. <laughs> so, um, after these blocks get pressed with three thousand tons of pressure, according to the Fibonacci sequence, that's actually our compression ratio and the carbon sequestration ratio of plants, including hemp. So if it grows faster, it pulls carbon quicker than trees. And that's what makes it a carbon sink better than your forest. But we press these blocks, we put them into an oven, we bake them overnight for 12 hours using our bio waste as our fuel for the oven. And then we pull them out the next day. They've cooled down. We, um, we open them up and take them out, let them rest for two weeks before we cut them and send them down to our second facility. The second facility is, um, oh, four miles down the road. That's where we make the flooring, furniture, and cabinetry, some panels too. I uh, send it down there and, oh, we end up, well, we got probably nine, 10 guys in there. Comes in, we dry it out. We take pure bond plywood, which is a soy-based plywood from West Virginia. We uh, glue the hemp wood top layer to the pure bond plywood base. And then we cut tongue and groove on all four sides of it. We sand it, well, we wood fill it and then sand it and then put it through our coating machines. So it's, um, it's all done right here in the county. We got probably, like I said, probably two dozen people or so. And we're trying to get it out there to all of your listeners, just let people know what we're doing and why they should get it, because it has no VOCs, because we're using a soy-based glue, a plant-based glue, rather than a formaldehyde-based glue. We are making it 100% in America. It is a fire retardant, double the class one standard required for commercial buildings. It's 20% harder than hickory because we can press it together. Your density equals your hardness and your stability. And then it's carbon negative because we're using our energy made out of our waste and hydro. So we have the only certified carbon negative product in the flooring industry. It's made in America with no VOCs. And we even have the buyer preferred certification Showing we got 95% plant-based material in the whole dang product. Wow. So you use no VOC adhesive. You use uh, Cargill, Cargill prolia, prolia soy flour. Is that right? Yeah. So what it is, is actually recycled soy flour. So after they take the soybean and they squeeze the oil out of it, we're making what they call vegetable oil. That's soy oil. Then um, they take those beans and they grind them up and they sell them to us. And we use that as the protein for our glue. Oh, so you're repurposing that that those byproducts as food byproducts. Yep. So it is the stuff wow. that does not need food grade. So, so, so whenever we start, go ahead. Yeah. So that that actually gets you a lot of extra points on your lead certification for using recycled materials. So, so most most of your products are non-toxic hemp composite woods that can be used for uh, interior design, general construction. Can things like conventional plywood and treated wood be toxic to pets and animals? Why why is it important not to use VOC? Well, because you end up like me. I worked in formaldehyde mills, and now I have to get lung treatment. 
Oh man. Because of being around all those dirty chemicals. So something that people need to know is if you look at luxury vinyl plank, the uh, the fake looking wood floors, those are made of polyvinyl chloride, PVC. Vinyl chloride is originally developed for gas warfare in World War One. That's what was on fire in Ohio a couple of weeks ago in those trains that wrecked. And so people are putting something that is a known carcinogen inside of their house. And in engineered wood flooring, if you're importing your plywoods or your wood flooring from overseas, you have a 85% chance that you are using a formaldehyde-based plywood wow. or OSB, those type of things. And of yeah. course, your pets and children are probably down at, at you know ground level, right? Causes lung cancer causes asthma, all these different things that I'm a victim of working in that industry over in China for 14 years. So it is, it's something that like people should be fed up. You're supposed to have the soccer moms out there with pitchforks getting after their politicians telling them, hey, why are you letting all these dirty chemicals get in my house? And then you wonder why America has such a huge asthma problem. Why people are having cancer problems like smoking is not a mainstream thing anymore smoking tobacco but yet people are still dying of cancer mm. at even greater and greater rates and it's because of stuff like this and, and some people are just chemically sensitive right and they're not going to realize they're going to go why do i why am i sick right they're not going to realize it's their flooring absolutely whenever you have petroleum-based things around you there is a chance when you have temperature change that it's going to off-gas. And that off-gassing is going to negatively affect you. If you got proper ventilation, it's to a lesser degree. But due to COVID, or we're even starting to do a lot of schools because they're finding out that you have a 6.4% higher cognitive ability when you're breathing in fresh air, when you have natural building materials inside of your home or classroom. And so you've got, yeah. why do you think people talk about like a rich wood floor in your house? Or when you see the really nice schools or the really nice offices or banks and things, it's not a secret. People know if you use natural materials, you don't got a bunch of dirty chemicals. When you're breathing in dirty chemicals, you don't think it's clear. And so we're starting to see schools, high schools, colleges, the likes of Berkeley, the likes of Harvard, the likes of Purdue, University of Kentucky, they're all starting to use hempwood and other clean materials. And they're having higher test scores because their kids are able to think clear. And that makes a huge difference. We, we service a bunch of the people out in your area like that, like the Microsofts and the Googles and the Facebooks and all them that are actually building out offices to try to entice people to come back to work. They're building Great. out offices that are net zero. Or those, those, are, those are rich corporations. Uh, what's the cost ratio benefit uh, compared to traditional products for, for hemp wood? We had the exact same price as American oak line. Wow. That's spectacular, man. And of course, we're not even touching on just taking less oil out of the ground and less petrochemical production, which is destroying our entire biosphere. Yeah. Hey. We don't even got government subsidies to offset our costs. You know what we do? We don't go through your traditional big corporate greedy 
distribution routes. We deal with direct sales to a customer. Anybody can go and have put.com and find us. And we deal with independently owned retail locations for our flooring. So I can say the name of everybody who's selling our flooring. I can say I've met them. We've had dinner together. That's somebody that wants to make the right choice, not the most money. You're a bona fide scientist, man. <laughs> Engineer, technically, but I love being called a scientist. One day, my dream is when I grow up, I want to be a college professor. I want to teach physics. Nice. Well, as long as you don't stop making this important, uh, uh, you know, critical alternative resource for us. Um, I mean, uh, hardwoods are becoming rare, if not in danger of being extinct, right? Tropical hardwoods, which this is a direct replacement for, yeah. They're getting chopped down to the tune of like six or 8% a year is going away. So it doesn't take long to realize that those numbers means it's not going to be around so much. I want to say that it's something like 92% of the old growth forests are gone. Right. Because man has come through and cut them down. And you can see that like in the places that used to have all the forests, like the, the Great Lakes region, they strip bare Minnesota. They strip bare Michigan. They got three quarters of their their forests that have been chopped down and just never came back. Wow. So, I mean, there's like, you know, a, 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 an almost an endless list of reasons to, to switch to hemp wood. It, it outperforms at the same price made in America, doesn't have any dirty chemicals, and it's carbon negative. Which is a positive. <laughs> I like that. Uh, you can use so, that. Great, Greg, we're at the point of, of we, we've lost 90% of this show and I got to go to a break. We're going to come back with a final segment, though. Uh, so stick with us, everybody. We haven't even got to the best stuff yet. Time to roll out for the people that let us hemp present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. And we are going to raise the temperature with another uh, segment here with Greg Wilson from hempwood.com. Um, God, there's just so much to cover and so much little time. Um, Hempwood seems like a vital component of sustainable construction and home improvement. I mean, you've kind of, you know, detailed that. What's preventing more companies from producing hempwood and related products? Well, you've got to have some pretty big cojones to take on the people out there that have the, um, just kind of have all the subsidies. Like the, the lumber industry is not a bad thing. If you selectively harvest or sustainably harvest your forest, that is a very good tool of building a sustainable housing industry. But if you go in and clear cut everything, it'll take 20, 30, 40 years for it to come back to what it was. And so the biggest issue that's out there is the fact that it's typically more profitable to do the wrong thing. And all people give a shit about is money. So that's where the big problem is, is if it wasn't all about how can you have the almighty dollar that everyone kind of is bowing down to, then it, more people would be doing it. But right now, it's more profitable to have somebody take Ukrainian oak with Russian formaldehyde plywood assembled in Cambodia and sold in America than it is to buy American oak flooring because we got rules and regulations about what you can and can't cut and what you can and can't use. And then on top of that, it's more profitable to do that than it is to do a sustainably harvested renewable crop 
because you got to pay somebody to go out there and plant it every year and then harvest them and bring it in rather than what people do for harvesting trees. Not all the time, but a lot of times is they just get contract from the government to be able to go and cut a swath of national forest. And so, that's so, what people so somehow it's, it's more economical to have those woods from Ukraine and, and Russia uh, shipped all over the place and then <clears throat> shipped back to America. Uh, I mean, there's something wrong with that business model. But, but in this vein, in that vein, global climate change is projected to produce warmer, longer, and more frequent droughts, referred to as, as global change type droughts, which have the potential to trigger a widespread, I mean, like a, like a, a worldwide tree die off. We're already seeing the loss of ancient forests in some regions because of advancing climate change and, of course, uh, deforestation is rampant due to human development, especially in the Amazon, uh, which is critical for the function of our biosphere. Is there anyone working on legislation to restrict or regulate the use of tree wood in favor of sustainable forms of building materials such as hemp-derived wood? Is there anything happening at all? Yeah, actually, the new president of Brazil is reversing a lot of what happened with the tropical Lula. rainforest down there on the last one. So from what I understand, there are people making progress down in South America now to try to stop a lot of this. But I would that's imagine- That's the production end. Is there anything on the, uh, on the supply, you know, on, on the, 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 the use end, like here in America, anybody addressing this? Uh, to a small degree, yes. I can say that lead points, which are requiring sustainable building materials, mm -hmm. are becoming more and more for commercial projects. For residential, there's not very much out there. Uh, you have to you have to more apply to people with the actual healthy materials because that has a direct effect on someone's health. Um, but for commercial, yeah, there's the government is trying to decarbonize. We actually were asked to contribute to the federal government's program to decarbonize all federal buildings to try to make them net zero. And that's a huge undertaking. But they just came to us and said, hey, we see that you have these um, carbon negative products. Do you want to? let us know about them so we can try to put it into our plan so there is some stuff happening it's unfortunately not enough but that's the way it usually goes and so you got to kind of take it on yourself and just get out there and talk to your eco warriors and say hey look you know what you can always find something cheaper you can always find something easier but it's not the right thing if you want the right thing roll up your sleeves and get to work Greg, I, I think that's a great place to leave it, man. Uh, we've run out of time. Uh, I'm just so impressed with what you're doing. I just can't say how, how righteous your work is and how essential it is, man. And I, I just you know, really appreciate you taking time out. Greg Wilson, found at hempwood.com. Uh, thank you for telling us about it and being on the show. Heck yeah. Well, thanks for having me. And check us out on Instagram or YouTube or any of those social media things that are out there. All right. Sounds good. Alrighty. Thank you. Hempy Trails. That includes this installment of Hemp Present on Cannabis Radio. When it comes to prohibition, you got the right not to remain silent. The Hemp Present intro music is Seven Mile Beach by Joanne Rand. And the outro music is Take Back the Plant by Stickerbush. 
We'll be back soon with some more representing. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.